Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Under It Show presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. My name is Phil Nightingale and Josh Bravo. Morning, Josh. Good morning. Beautiful Saturday morning out there, isn't it? Yes, it is. Anyway, hey, everybody, this is a call-in show, 316-462-3673, number there on the screen. Anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, anything you want to talk in the automobile world. we got a lot to talk about we today, do. Josh, with yeah. what we did this week and earlier this week and stuff like that, too. But uh, it's a call-in show. Anything that you want to talk about in the automobile world, you want to talk about racing, whatever it is, make the phone call, and you get a great price package about over 130 bucks for each and every caller. I don't know about you, Josh, but I don't know where you call in any other show to get that kind of money. There you go. So, as always, Josh... What's in our great package we give away for each and every caller? Uh, so we're going to mail it out to you, but it's going to consist of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. Uh, we use Motorcraft oil and filter products here at Mill Hamilton Ford. Uh, while we're performing that, we're also going to complete a multi-point inspection on the vehicle, checking over the brakes, tires, steering, suspension, all the safety-related components on that vehicle, making sure that it's ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. You'll also receive yourself $10 to Mel's Diner, so you can get yourself something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. Complete nitrogen for your tires, so you get all the great benefits that nitrogen has to offer. And then a BG products package, which is going to consist of a can of MOA or motor oil additive for your engine oil, and then a can of CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that vehicle geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. All right, 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you. And uh, again, anything in the automobile world gets you this great price package. So anyway, Josh, we had a fun yep. week ahead of us. And uh, earlier this week, we flew out on Sunday and went to Las Vegas. Yeah, I know that's kind of terrible too. But uh, <laughs> went for some Ford meetings. Yep. And to see what's new and latest and greatest and what's happening up there and everything else, too. <clears throat> First of all, we got to go to Las Vegas Motor Speedway and see a bunch of stuff there from the uh, Lightning pulling 5,000 pounds, which, you know, I knew it pulled that. I, what I was really, I don't know how many people had drove that thing, but it still had 200, I think it was 234 mile range, but I wonder what it had at the end of the day. What they were cycling through <clears throat> on that deal. Yeah, for sure. And then we got to see a bunch of off-road stuff. We got to see the Bronco Raptor in action. Got to see the Bronco, uh, the Raptor R, which was pretty cool. Got to see the Heritage the, the Broncos. What do you think Broncos? of those Heritage Broncos? You know, it's... Uh, it's one of those things that I think that uh, there's something for everybody. How about that? Let's put it that way. Uh, I yeah, do. Yeah, I did. Good, good call. I did think that it looked uh, looked good uh, as far as sharp. I don't know as that it would be for me. Uh, from those from colors, side. a little different. Mm -hmm. but, but I know uh, what they're trying to do. Trying to go back to the '70s, mm -hmm. right? You see a lot of, you know, a lot of. I've seen the a Silverado kind of a heritage heritage yeah. difference mm -hmm. with the two tone paint in the, the middle. Stuff, in the yeah. middle. Uh, I've seen those and a couple of other kind of throwback style designs uh on on some other vehicles and so i guess it's uh like they say is that one day it will be in style again no matter what it is <laughs> it, 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 will, style, it right? will circle back around so uh but as far as uh i thought they did a really good job as far as the design and, and stuff like that to to uh represent uh, that older style vehicle for sure even you know we were talking about the wheels on them uh yeah not my wheel couple, but a couple that, of those but that but is kind of that's how it was then it you was. know we were talking about the moon hubcaps that, yeah. that went over them and stuff like that and so uh just to to try and get some of those uh design characters in that vehicle i think they did a did a good job from that side of it so. yeah so that's the heritage edition of the bronco and bronco sport now the bronco sport and again everybody kind of got something different that bronco sport uh, like i think the best way to say that's uh, not for me but yeah you know, somebody's gonna like that bit yeah. that, that look and everything else too and then uh, the everglades is the other one they brought out and that's really kind of a really true off-road 
go through water deep and everything else. Yeah, it's got the snorkel up down on the passenger side of the uh, A pillar there and stuff like that. And I, you know, previous to even going out there, uh, there's there are a lot of different model lines, and that's something that we kind of talked about out there is that uh, you know there is really something for everybody. Yeah, and and to know what all those options are and and what the appearance of them is and and stuff like that, it was really neat to be able to see them kind of in a side-by-side fashion, I guess, Uh, and you could go through all the different options from there. So Yeah, so then uh, we got to see the – we didn't actually do it. The lines were long, and we probably should have stuck around a little bit longer, but uh, I wasn't wasn't in the mood to stand in those long lines to to ride in the Mustangs running around on the the actual oval track. They were – I don't know, doing about 140, I guess. So one like of that. the other dealers, I was talking with him. He said 158 is what, uh, what they did, and, and it was a ride along uh, yeah. from that side. So they had they had a couple different ones. So I don't know exactly which one he got into. I'm assuming it was the GT500, uh, but he said, yeah, 158, 159 is what they were doing around the the Las Vegas Motor Speedway out there. Oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, in, in those deals, which is again pretty pretty cool for sure. I know they sounded really good going around that track. Uh, they had uh, I think a couple of 500s, and then there was a couple of Mach ones uh, out there as well. Um, so yeah, they did sound pretty good. I will give them that. that those cars do sound pretty impressive screaming around that racetrack healthy if you will there you go healthy okay so then we got to see the all and the next day we got to see the all new 23 escape or is it yeah it's a 20 so it was a 23 escape uh all redesigned or redone and uh pretty cool i think they made some good changes there and everything else from that part and that's i can't remember the words they use there but i think that's the biggest segment of all manufacturers that's the biggest segment of a of an suv that's being sold is that uh, that's, that size yeah that's kind of about what i what i gathered with that too uh and then also they're bringing the new uh model line to that escape uh the know, trim, yeah the the trim level to it as well the and st so. line and <clears throat> i thought that was a cool looking option and uh you know we've got that on the edge and we've got it on uh, explorer explorer so now they brought it to the escape which i think it makes that car look so cool and I can't remember exactly, but I think it's like a $900 option is all it is to make that thing. Yeah, the the first level of it, they said, would be a run around 900 bucks. So, um, you know, that is going to be uh, edges something that, or excuse me, the escape is something I feel that we sell quite a few of we for do. sure. And, we do. you know, with, uh, you know, they talked a little bit about the passenger cars going away and everybody moving towards SUVs. And, um, you know, I think that, they've helped that transition by some of the body designs and then not only uh, the body designs, but just all the different options. I mean, there's really something out there for every, everybody. When you look at uh, the Maverick to the escape, to the, um, to the uh, Explorer, Explorer uh, f- from that side of things. And then you got the Bronco sport and, you know, full size yeah. Bronco. There's just uh, there's just about, I mean, if you can't find something there, something, that, yeah, yeah. there's something wrong. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, I was shocked to see they redesigned the escape. I really kind of thought with the Bronco Sport that that would because it's made on the same platform. Yeah, as both of them are together. I thought maybe the escape was gonna go away, kinda but go it doesn't away. look like it because they've been invested a lot of money in that escape. And yeah. I guess you know, it goes back to again, not everybody wants that Bronco Sport look and and uh, from that part. So uh, very cool. Then let's see what's next. Oh, the Mustang. 24 Mustang. Of course, there's a lot of videos out there already on the 24 Mustang. They did Only the carry- reveal after uh, the day after. The day after, Detroit, yeah. So. You haven't watched any of that, have you? Uh, I had. I've watched a, a bits and pieces. Yeah, that's of about it, all but, I've done too. Yeah. Just little bits and pieces of it, and uh, 
Josh, I got it. I have this thing called Ford Authority that comes out every day. And I was telling you, I was when the watching that video come, the things I saw and everything else, and the quick blips on Facebook and everything else, you know, the motor trend, car and driver, everybody wrote about it. They're coming out with a dark horse yeah. uh, model, which is their performance model of the GT. And that's, uh, there, I think there's an S and an R. And I believe, that, quote me, I believe both of those are not street legal. They're actually just strictly race cars. Oh, really? And that might be the R might be that way. Again, yeah. I haven't studied it up enough or whatever. In the back of my mind, I started thinking, uh-oh, where's the GT500? And the Port, uh, Ford Authority came out this morning and said, yeah, the, the GT500 is probably dead. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's no different than Dodge. I mean, Dodge is taking their last swing at all the big V8 horsepowers. Uh, they're canceling all them after 23. Uh, and, and Dodge is coming out with a whole bunch of big horsepower cars and stuff like that. And I think it's just, my opinion is I think the manufacturers can't afford to build those high horsepower engines anymore and keep up with these cafe ratings. They have to keep that the government's put on them yeah. to make the emissions like that. I mean, that's where the electric cars coming into play. These dang emissions we have to meet and the amount of cafe ratings we have, they have to hit to, to produce that. But, well, and uh, I think too, probably, uh, is, you know, as a, as a manufacturer, you're going to make the most money in mass production. Yep. You know, and uh, these cars are these higher end cars or, you know, performance cars are nice, but it's not a volume seller from that side of things. Right. Um, but on the other side of that, as a manufacturer, you really got to keep that icon oh, you know, yeah. moving, you know. Yep. And so it's uh, from a dollars and cents side of things, you probably it produces a revenue that you can't even really write down on paper can't show it to uh, the, yeah can't yeah. show that to the tax to, to, to the accountant guy you know and Bean so, counters. Uh -huh. yeah so anyway i hope that's not true but it probably is and uh, i guess that what that does just makes mo 500 worth a little bit more money down the road i guess yeah <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> well for, as an owner of a gt500 you know if they're uh, gonna suspend them for a little while or stop making them you well know? they did it back because they stopped them at yeah. 14 and yeah. didn't bring them back out till 20 so that is certainly not a not a downside of ownership uh, by yeah. any means so we'll know? see what they come back with that or whatever but the mustang the sheet metal everything's new except the roof line the interior of that car, I mean, the, the dash screens and all that stuff. I mean, I think that is so cool. Who knows? I might just have to have one anyway. So we did get <laughs> okay. to see, uh, you know, we did get to see the Mustang out there uh, in person. And I thought the body lines and stuff, they did a phenomenal job on the outside of it. Uh, wanted, would have loved to have seen the inside a little more in detail other than the, just some photos. On the screen. Uh, but, yeah. but it did look, uh, it did look very very good so they're saying sure. this summer we'll see that car which is cool i hope we can get it that soon and everything else too for that part but uh again you know i think the camaro is going away the challenger is going away so we'll be probably the one of the very few that still has the uh, uh performance performance uh, yeah. rear wheel drive hot rod out there in the deal but again 500 horsepower coming out of a gt so it's pretty impressive, isn't it? That is, uh, you know, I think back, uh, you know, even being in high school or uh, around that time where uh, you think, uh, what you, oh, 500 man, you know, talked yeah, about. like uh, if you had 500, you belonged on a drag strip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was, uh, you know, and it, and it certainly wasn't reliable. You know, uh, you weren't going to get in something with 500 horsepower and drive it to a coast or no. anything and be comfortable, have air, you know, yeah, yeah, air <laughs> all conditioning that and all stuff. that. I just uh it just amazes me these the manufacturers keep making these things uh building them lighter and winding them tighter exactly <laughs> from, from that side well, let's so. talk about that because the next thing we got to see is the new 23 super duty yeah and i can't believe the tech they're putting in that truck yeah uh and everything else from towing and 
and then they're coming out with a high high output 6.7 diesel. Yeah. I don't know why anybody want to buy the regular diesel when you get the high output out there unless there's a huge upfit. I mean, a huge upcharge to, to do that. But here's the thing is like I've I've towed with the the 67 quite a bit or had the opportunity. I know you have as well. And I mean, it's it's substantial. It's plenty, you know. The the amount of torque and horsepower that these things are are putting out uh and then yeah. it just blows me away when I talk to somebody and they're wanting to wanting to put a tune in it for whatever know. reason you know like take I the death fluid off yeah, of it or and, something. and do this and that with it and it's like man the truck is like it will do everything that you need it to do why are you messing with it <laughs> you know leave know. it leave it alone but you know, Josh, uh, just like i say pull my race trailer around i mean that six seven is just a beast i mean if i want to run a hundred with that thing i would you, I you could you do it yeah. and i didn't feel that trailer sitting back there behind you or whatever but what I think what a lot of guys on that diesel side of that point don't realize when they're putting that tune in there and doing that stuff to that truck, how much life they're taking out of that motor, let well, alone the transmission, the transfer case, the differentials and all that stuff, what that's doing to that truck. And I know that's a pain in the butt because, yeah, it pisses me off, too, when I got to turn around and put some death fluid in my truck before I take off. I get yeah. it. Or we get a sensor, something goes bad, and we just want to kill that system. But those systems were put on there for a reason to meet the emissions and stuff coming out of there. Now, I do agree back in 08 when they just started slapping filters underneath the trucks to, to, to meet the emissions. I understand what it did. It, it, it you know, trucks it slowed them down, all kind of stuff. But now these trucks have been designed with that filter in there and designed with the programming and everything else to run like they're supposed to. But I do, I do think most guys don't realize how much they've taken life out of that motor by doing that. We took the boys to the fair last night and I was following somebody on uh, 96 Highway. Did you get a puffer, did you? Oh man, like that thing was rolling cold, like you wouldn't believe. And uh, the whole time I'm sitting there, which uh, we're we're going along 96 Highway, and he had somebody behind him that was kind of being a little bit of a jerk, and he got the car got yeah, beside got him, a little frustrated. Him. And man, there he let out a puff of smoke, and it went right into that side <laughs> of that car. And I kind of giggled about that, so I guess I got that part of it. But anyways, the, I was looking at all that black smoke coming out of there. I was like, man, it just the damage that it's doing internally for oh, yeah. for that next buyer you know okay that guy may may not have that truck very long or maybe he does and and he'll be the one that has to, but somewhere down the line of that vehicle's ownership somebody's gonna have to pay for that yeah you know and it's gonna cost a lot of money yeah but that's exactly right but anyway the new technology in the truck the new screens the new camera system around the, the thing that floored me was the one of the camera that can then when you turn in in and it's got a camera so you can see the side of your trailer so you know yep. if you're going to hit a side swipe a post or whatever uh but uh and then, and then the it, lane the lane or uh not lane yeah the lane uh lane assist or uh yeah what's it i'm trying to run blank what they called that again but anyways it will accommodate up to a what do they say a 48 foot trailer like 40 oh, bl blind spot, yeah, monitor, blind, blind spot, spot monitor up to 40 foot trailer for 48 foot foot trailer so and i was like that's uh that's incredible to be able to see you, you know, see all that, that stuff hole. coming through there, yeah. So the other, other thing, the tailgate one. Oh, uh, that's yeah. another cool thing. Now, here's what I'm worried about that. Okay, let's back up. So when you flip your tailgate now down on these trucks, you see the ground. And because it's, the tailgate's And, in and the it's beeping handle. out. You're going to run into something or whatever. Yeah. Well, now they got sensors on the top of the tailgate. So when your tailgate's down, you can see what's going on from that part. Still behind you and a camera in the top of the tailgate yeah. so that you can see. I, they never uh, did say how many you. cameras there was on that truck, but I bet there's – Quite a there's, few. There's got to be quite but now, a few. What I'm worried about, you know, Josh, how many used cars we get traded in and we're replacing the top of the tailgates and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Man, it's going to get expensive. I think if somebody doesn't <laughs> take care of their tailgates now with all the stuff that's in those trucks. You know, and I, 
I, I gotta be from that side of it too. It, it blows me away. We walk some of these cars or look at some of these trade-ins on vehicles on, uh, just, you know, the, the cost of some of these components, but then also you look at what they, what they're doing and how they're functioning. And the biggest one that, uh, that I, seldom see is the price of a headlight or a taillight and what that costs but then when you, i always tell you i just want one i don't yeah. need two Josh. <laughs> but when you look in it and you know especially like say a taillight uh for for example uh one led you know uh and so all the circuitry that it's going to have in it for that but then two to accommodate the blind spot monitoring there's radar in it yeah. uh, and modules uh for that in there and that's an assembly you know it's not, not much to get 12 1300 bucks wrapped up in a headlight or taillight anymore yeah and you know that's where i don't know in insurance i'm sure sees it a lot more you know dealing with collision that you've hit a deer or bump something and you think man well it shouldn't take much to fix that and you know you're holding a seven thousand dollar bill or something uh and the car's still drivable years ago seven thousand dollars you you weren't going anywhere you know uh you weren't leaving the scene of a scene of where wherever the collision occurred, let alone uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, from that side of it. But you know, now it just doesn't take much to doesn't take much to get there for no, sure. No, it sure doesn't. That's for sure. Anyway, hey, 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you. Anything alien car, tires, brakes, batteries, anything you want to talk about in the automobile world, love to hear from you. So anyway, we can see if we left out anything we did in Vegas. We uh, uh, so the other side is just talking about EVs in general and kind of where that's going and and production, you know, what the production plans are as far as uh ramping up and you know, I think a lot of the or some of the concerns you hear other manufacturers talk about how their uh, ICE vehicles are going to go away or their internal combustion engines are, are going to go away. Um, you know, and I, I just, from a logistical standpoint, uh, man, there's going to have to be a lot of involvement in uh, the EV side of things for that to one take to place. Yeah. Uh, the charging infrastructure is going to have to be better. The, uh, you know, the, the length of time, uh, that it takes to, uh, charge, charge. something is going to have to be better. And yeah. then just the, the capabilities. I mean, you think of, uh, I, there's so many industries that require heavy duty equipment and trucks and, and things like that for, uh, for their, you know, for their production of stuff, uh, you know, agricultural things like that that uh ev is just not a fit for and so to say that uh the internal combustion engine is going to go away it, it's it can't happen you know that's where uh you know they talk about these manufacturers talking about you know 2030 2035 all that kind of things well hate to tell you this there's no way that a super duty is going to be able to do that yeah uh like you said and everything else too but the I liked what uh, Jim Farley had to come up and say. Once you read the asterisks down below there, that says light duty use only uh, from that part. And that is true. We, I think that, uh, you know, with the Mustang, the Super Duty, the Bronco, uh, we still got a lot of internal combustion engines coming. And the thing I did like, they did say they're still investing money in those internal combustion engines. Well, and the other thing, I mean, so we're sitting there, you know, and they're doing the presentations and there was a couple different ones. I mean, so the the new super duty is going to have a redesigned engine uh the other thing the bronco uh uh raptor yep. has a three liter in it yep uh as well um you know and so they're they're investing money in either updating what they already have or putting it into new technology and to me that 
if if you if it was something that was going to go away or sunsetting, they would you, yeah. you wouldn't be you wouldn't be putting money into it, you know, yeah, from exactly. that side of things. And so, hey, you missed the chat line here real quick. Morning, Darren McKim. Sorry, I missed you, James Furman. Hey, good morning, Jason Cox. Good morning, Troy Furman. Good morning. And uh, yes, Mr. Furman, we'll get to that comment here shortly here in just a little bit. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, the internal combustion engines is still going to be around for a long time. Uh, you know, to be a Ford dealer now, yeah, it's out there. And I can't even believe they put all everything out there in the, on YouTube and everywhere else. But yeah, it's out there that says if uh, Ford presented us to us that it takes $1.2 million to uh, go into being a EV, EV dealer. dealer going forward. Either make the investment or you're not going to sell the EVs out there. Or you can spend half a, half a million dollars and you can at least service them and that sort of thing and get very few sales out of, the, out of that half a million. So it's a lot of money that Ford's asking us to invest and be an EV dealer. And, yes, we're going to invest the money. Uh, to be an EV dealer, we want to take care of all your needs from what, you know, whether you want an internal combustion engine or whether you want an EV or what it might be uh, from that part. And, uh, Josh, we already got, uh, you know, we got a total of – six um lightnings two of them are actually ctps the last ctp units is down on production it's a lariat coming uh we delivered another one this morning uh, yesterday and then we got one more coming for 22 and we've already got four scheduled building on 23 lightning so it's coming i think the volume's going to come in 23 yeah. and that sort of thing so it's going to be exciting and the things are going to come new with electric I don't know what they say. They keep talking about another pickup, and I can't de decide if that's going to be the Maverick or it's going to be the Ranger. Or maybe it's something different. I don't know. But I don't think it's a Maverick just because the Maverick's already getting 40 miles to the gallon, and it's hitting the cafe rates. The only reason I was thinking that is just uh, smaller, you know, um, from from that side of things. But who who knows? Uh, for, I, honestly, I kind of thought maybe we would get to see something out there in the line of that EV side of things. I thought we'd see something, um, too. I really did. So, uh but they left a little for the imagination, I guess, from that side of things. And I don't, so we could kind of uh, talk about the, the production of the EV vehicles and, uh, you know, what the, what they're looking to do over the next couple of years, but then also maybe um, why we haven't really seen as many as what uh, initially uh, we would have liked to, or they would have, would have been slated to. And I think that just went because they were contracted uh, by a certain number of states that are more uh, mandating these a little heavier. That's kind of like Mach-E. They first thought they were going to build, I think it was 40,000 or maybe mm -hmm. it's 30, uh, it's, it's more like 40. And they only had building 26,000. That was because of parts availability, batteries availability, all that kind of stuff too. But by the government, they're mandated by the seven states or the, I don't know what you call those states again. They're called. Uh, yeah, I, I was trying to think of the terminology he used, but essentially they're emission states. Emission states. So those seven states still. They were contractually contract. obli obligated to produce so many vehicles for those states. It was 19,000. So that left 7,000 cars to be spread across the rest of the states for the Mach-E. So until you hear those numbers, you kind of wonder why we didn't get more Mach-E's. Now I get it. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully they can get the parts and supplies and everything they need to go ahead and start building. And I love the Mach-E. I think it's cool. Now, I do think where they made a mistake on that, I think they should have made a hybrid in the, in the Mach-E. Oh, a hybrid version of it? I do. I think that's a cool-looking car. It's fun to drive, everything else like that. But I think if we could have had a, a hybrid in there, I think it'd be very cool. I, and that's the only thing I wish these manufacturers would have done. I, I just feel this way. It's, again, my opinion, I'm, I'm running those businesses or whatever. 
But I think instead of pushing so hard in the EVs right now, we should have went into a phase where we gradually put them in and and push some hybrids more. I mean, I'm driving that F-150, and I'm averaging over 20 miles to the gallon. Most of my my drivers in town and stuff like that, too. Man, if I got 15 out of it in town on a regular EcoBoost, it's crazy. Yeah. So I think if we would have went that way a little bit harder before we jumped so hard into the electric cars, but I guess – I don't, I don't know what the pressure is on the other side of that from the government of getting those cafe ratings where they need to be in any time slots or whatever either. But I just wish we'd have went in more into the hybrids and then pushed everybody into the – you just can't shove this down our throats, and that's kind of how I feel. These electrics are just getting shoved down our throats before we know how to take care of them, how we do it. And I, and I said that out I think we got 20% of the message from Ford because I don't think they know either what's going to yeah. what the future is going to bring and everything else too. But to put a big number out there for us to be an EV dealer, I think it was pretty tough to – have to swallow and i'm sure there's a lot of dealers out there can't swallow it and won't swallow it and everything else too uh from that part but uh, we will be an ev dealer we're going to do what we can to do that i think the other thing is i think they are giving us about a two-year window to invest that money and and do it as things progress and stuff but uh the other thing i don't like about it either is the amount of money it's going to take to have their infrastructure of their chargers and i don't know consumers i'd love to hear from you would you rather charge your electric car at your house or would you rather come to the dealership and charge your car i'd love to hear from you 316-462-3673 or let's talk about the electric cars tell me what your feelings are tell you how you're thinking about it or whatever yeah and uh let's get some conversation going about that but that's my opinion i'd rather have my charger at my house than have to come up here to the dealership and charge with a fast charge i mean if i'm going to do that i'm going to charge every time i pull in my garage i'm going to plug it in I'm not going to want to run to the dealership and, and go get a fast charge or whatever. Now, I do understand that customer that's traveling needs got, to know when these charge stations are so they can yeah. book it out. And, I mean, when that trainer came here to train us on the mach I thought it was pretty cool that we we got in the car, sat here at Melham Ford, and, okay, and then we put in the navigation to go to Denver. And it would show you where how to drive, and it would tell you how many miles you would take to get you. For example, first charge station was Salina. Mm-hmm. And it would tell you how long you'd have to sit there at Salina. Or you could still keep going and go to Hayes. Hayes. Yep. And then how much longer you'd have to sit there at Hayes or whatever and plan your trip a little bit. I just don't think we're re- everybody's ready to do that kind of a trip yet uh, from that part. And uh, I think we're going to get there with some of this technology and stuff too. But give me a gasoline engine and a hybrid is where I think where we should be but again that's not my call or anything else too but uh hey let's get some conversation going about the electric cars 316-462-3673 yeah you get a great price package just for each and every one calling in so let's get the phones we'd love to hear from you what your thoughts your feelings are on the electric cars now we'll tell you we've got stan bogdan one of our sales managers that has the mustang mach e gt that thing's pretty impressive and where i think uh i, I really do think the um you know Every household has, what, 2.7 cars? That's what it is, 2.7, so yeah. I really do believe that there's a need for one hybrid in every household or yeah. one electric vehicle in every household as a day-to-day driver from that side of things that, uh, you know, you're commuting. Aver- I think the average commute to work is, what, 13 miles, I think is what they said. Or I think, I, I think that's right, those right. Line, those lines, but. Uh, you, you know, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, you go to go to work, go to back, go to the grocery store, you know, do whatever, yeah, a, and that that would get you by uh, a long time, yeah, a long time on a single charge uh, with that vehicle, and you know, it would be you'd just charge it at night when you're when you're home, and it's it's the road trip side of things that where that yeah. becomes questionable. That's, that's the road trips, you know, and I'll go back clear back to the Fusion Hybrid when it came out. And uh, I was still living in a hutch, and I had a customer call me and say, hey, you know, I've got this big old Raptor. I'd love to drive one of those Fusion hybrids. So I took it home, let him drive it, 
because he thought the same thing at that time. He said, I'll leave my Raptor set in the garage mm -hmm. and I'll drive that Fusion to work him back. Anyway, he just decided it wasn't for him. He still wanted to drive his Raptor stuff. So, I, you know how we shuffle these cars back and forth, and I left it there for Mary to drive. And uh, it, it stayed there for a while because I just couldn't get it back with everything going on and stuff. And I got in that car, and it had like 600 miles on it. It had a half a tank of gas in it. And I called her, and I said, have you put any gas in this? She said, no. And what it amounts to back then, those cars would go about eight miles. I think is what it was on hundred percent electric. And then it switched over to hybrid. Yeah. Well, going, taking the kids to school and back was seven miles. So each time she got in, she plugged it in and stuff and, you know, every night charged up. So it went 600 miles on a half a tank of fuel. That's where I think we're missing a boat on some of these situations of these hybrids or a plug-in hybrid, Yeah. I guess is where, I, where we really need to go, uh, in my opinion, but it is what it is too. Anyway. Jason Cox, I looked at the Lightning with all the bells and whistles, not sold on it. Nice truck, just not a big fan of electric. My 2000 F-150 averages 19 miles a gallon for me. That's not bad. You know, Jason, I agree with you 100%. You need to, I don't know if you drove the truck, you ought to come drive it and check it out what that does. But I agree with you on the 19 miles per gallon. But the problem with your 19 miles per gallon, that's only about half of what the government's telling these manufacturers they got to get to. They're in, the, they're in the low 40s that they're telling the manufacturers they've got to hit these cafe ratings and i'm with you 100 percent. 19 miles a gallon out of a truck that's huge that's great yeah but that ain't cutting off what the government's making these guys do and that's why we got to have these trucks so jason and everybody come out here and drive this lightning it'll blow you away uh from that part and the tech and it is it's the truck we have sitting here right now it's called the pro model it's an xl basically uh very base model truck and everything else too but it is a cool thing to drive and a lot of tech inside that truck um Still, I can't get over how quiet it is inside. I mean, you still think there's wind noise or creaks or cracks or nothing, but there's not uh, from that part. So 316-462-3673. Hey, love to hear from you. And uh, see anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatever it might be, or talk about the lightning, talk about electrics, whatever. Love to hear from you on that part. But I do think it is going to happen in my lifetime. We will have a lot more electric oh, cars. Yeah. yeah, I don't. It's going to yeah. grow. I, uh, I believe I believe that as well. And then, you know, then it, from that side, it. Uh, comes on the the maintenance side of things and i think that's something that will will evolve as we get into this too you know it's it's uh kind of an unknown at this yeah. point what what that looks like uh for sure um obviously you know not doing your conventional oil changes but then my other side of that is i value what we do at the five thousand mile service interval um the other components of that 5,000 mile service interval interval, just as important as changing the engine on oil Agree. Know, and putting a new oil and filter on there, but rotating the tires and looking over the vehicle and topping off all the fluids and, you know, uh, adjusting tire pressures and, and things like that. I mean, that is just as an important service as changing the oil. Uh, and so the, in my mind, the two go hand in hand, uh, you know, and so, yeah, the, the service needs are different, but they're still there uh, yep. in an EV world, um, for sure. And so it's it's just changed to the industry, for sure. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you and everything else, too, from that part. So, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we left out at Vegas uh, that we learned from Ford or anything else from that part. Uh, of course, the uh, new Ford Pro for fleet, there's a big push on that deal, too, and uh you know, what I didn't realize either, too, till I probably should have known this or whatever, but when you go to the commercial fleet side of the of the business for all your construction and contractors and all that kind of stuff, if you take the Ford Super Duty, 
how many we sell of that combine Dodge and Chevy together. And we still sell more than both those guys together in the, and they're coming up some neat things for you guys that are in the, in that world called Ford pro that will, uh, help monitor your trucks, all that kind of stuff and help you with that kind of thing, a huge push on that. So it's going to be exciting there too. And I'm telling you, they're pushing a lot of electric in there, uh, from that part. Again, we got two electric transits running around in in our parts inventory right now. That's, uh, uh, I, we'd have to check out and see how far they're getting that kind of thing. I told Paul to kind of give me some rundown of what the, the range starts off awful slow, but the regeneration of brake power inside that thing is as you stop recharges the battery. So I don't know how far they're really getting or whatever on those. You know, I'd have to think back. I don't, when did we go from the Econo line to the transit? I think it was probably what 14. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe it was further, uh, further back than that. Time flies. Anyways, when, when, uh, I think it's a little earlier than that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Pro- it probably was, uh, but when we, uh, you know, when they come out of that Econo line and pushed everything to the transit, I thought, man, this is really going to disrupt some fleets because they're the number of Econo line vans out there, cargo vans out there for, for fleet customers is, is astronomical. Uh, and then they, you know, push that or move that into the transit, but just the offerings that they have in the transit configuration, the wheelbases and the roof heights and the, I mean, all the, uh, it, it is unbelievable how many different configurations you can get that van in. And I think it's done a phenomenal job of uh, adapting uh, to the to the fleet world. Um, you know, the accessories that you can put on them and the packages that you can put inside of them and, and stuff like that is, uh, it's, it's huge. Yeah. And, you know, we still have the Econoline van in a one-ton configuration, mm-hmm. I think is what it is. Yeah. Um, but the transit is just a much more user-friendly truck, all the options, everything you put in. And it's 2013. I just looked yeah. real quick. 13 is when we came out with the transit. I'm with you. I looked at that thing thought, what are we doing here? But, uh, you know, you take that van versus a Chevy van. And, you know, when we went into this shortage of inventory and we needed these vans and stuff, uh, I went out and bought some Chevys. No one wanted them. Yeah. Uh, I ended up selling them to another Chevy dealer to, t- to get them out of my, get them out, out of our inventory, but no one wanted them. Uh, everybody wants that transit van of what, what it does and how it performs and everything else too. It's uh pretty cool. And I tell you the motors in those things, they're no slouch either. You know, they got the oh, ego boost yeah. engines in them and they'll get up and move <laughs> right along and they'll shift all your inventory in the back. <laughs> Rotating stock. There you go. Hey, anyway, 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you and uh, anything in the automobile world. But still love to hear from you on the on the electric cars, where, you, where your thoughts are, what you want to do, what you think you might do, what you think you might not want to do. I get it. Or what what would you want to see in an electric vehicle? There you go. 316-462-3673. And we got a phone coming up here, Josh. So let's get him on the phone. And it says Tom, but I bet it's Tim is who I bet you it's going to be. So let's find out if that is who's coming through the phone here real quick. We'll get uh, him on the phone. 316-462-3673. Anyway, James Furman, 2014 was when the Econoline went away. They're still making them, James. Uh, yeah, 14 was the last year they kind of had they had the half tons and and uh, and three quarters, but the Econoline is still out there in the one ton. Tim, you're on live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Great. Good morning, uh, Bill, Josh. Uh, on the first off, let me say uh, congratulations to Team 3J Racing on the championship last night. That was a great job. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a exciting night. We had to uh, we were behind by th- we were leading it by three points. That means we had to finish. You know, he the number twenty four 
uh, Brandon Conkright had to beat us by three spots uh, to to beat us. And uh, halfway through the race, uh, on a restart, they uh, made a judgment call, as I would say, and put Jake to the back. And uh, so Jake had to charge back through that field in 10 laps to come back through that field again. And uh, he did it. And so uh, thank you, Tim, for the uh, congratulations. It was an exciting night and glad we got another championship behind us. And uh, pretty fun. So we'll, uh, we'll head to Dodge City tonight for another last points race of the year, see what we can do at Dodge. But uh, it was a fun night well, at Salina for sure. Well, good luck tonight. But my question about an EV vehicle, not to mention the fact that I have to go somewhere, may get a in line to charge and may have to wait for two or three other people in front of me uh, is a concern. But my big concern would be on the trade-in of this vehicle and the battery life. And I'm, am I going to get dinged because they're going to say, well, you know, you've already got X number of years on this battery. It's going to have to be replaced. It's going to cost thousands of dollars to replace this battery. Whereas, you know, today's internal combustion engines can go hundreds of thousands of miles where batteries, I don't think, are to that point yet. Or they either need to be charged more often and frequently because they wear down. Uh, where's going to be my incentive to? other than to change every time it goes out of warranty. Uh, what's going to be my incentive to hang in there or, or to buy one of these, not knowing what my resale value is going to be? You know, Timmy, you're getting a great point there, and uh, I, I'm with you 100% on that one, too. Um, how long are these batteries going to last? And the other thing I'm thinking, too, and I haven't got really a confirmation of that, these, you know, you've got your 110 chargers, which charge these cars very, very, very slow. Then you've got the 220 chargers, which do a much better job in about half the time that a 110 does. But then these DC fast chargers that charge these things so fast, I truly believe that takes the life out of that battery yeah. uh, from that part. But also, I think what we're going to find is if you right now what these batteries look like, if you open them up, it looks like a whole bunch of AA batteries kind of lined up in inside of there. I think we'll get to the point to where if a battery goes bad, instead of replacing that whole battery, I think we'll open those batteries up and test and find those bad cells and actually replace the cells and uh, keep the cars going. I think they're kind of doing that already with some of the yeah. cars out there. They've got some age on them or whatever. <clears throat> but I also <clears throat> know of a deal where a guy bought uh, a Tesla, didn't know the battery's bad, and was 16 grand to put a battery in it after he already bought it and stuff too. Uh, so I'm with you. There's a lot of unknowns, a lot of things there too that I don't know that anybody knows where we're headed 100% of the way with this. And that's why I said earlier, I think we got about 20% of the message from Ford because I think that's all they know too. Uh, where we're headed and everything else too. I just, I just wish we'd, have, Tim, you're a perfect example with your F-150. You know, I wish we'd have pushed harder in the EV, in the, the hybrids first and got a lot more of those rolling before we pushed so hard into this electric side. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I was hesitant with the power boost and uh, I can't tell you, I, I thought this going to electric, going to gas, going back and forth, I would feel it hear it, whatever. I don't. It uh, works great. And if you keep it uh, basically below 45, uh, it goes to electric every, almost every chance it gets if you use that eco uh, reminder there. The eco and mode, yeah. I, I, yeah, I can't tell you. I've, I've gotten some trips. Uh, I was out in the mountains in New Mexico and uh, drove uh, probably uh, 
120 miles one day and just up and down in the mountains and kept it the speed below 45 and i was up uh, 36 37 miles to a gallon yeah cra- crazy crazy what these things will do i agree 100 percent. it's like i said i'm driving one of the, i'm going to use one right now tim and uh i just left that trip setting up there you know because most of mine's in town driving too and in the regular EcoBoost, i'd get 15 16 and this thing's almost 20 miles a gallon difference so it's, it's yeah. a huge huge improvement and stuff too plus the thing i really love about it too you put it in a sport mode you <laughs> it really <laughs> it'll, it'll go too. yeah <laughs> it really does uh, from that part so uh well thanks guys you guys have a great day and uh i'm gonna get out there one of these days and try lightening out i think but what? i'm gonna stick to the power so i'm pretty sure <laughs> i'm with you there too but you do need to come take a test drive this lightning uh and just feel it and watch what it does and everything else too and then here just here and probably i'm gonna say a couple of weeks we'll have a a lariat lightning that's also going to be putting that in the uh, loaner program or, or courtesy transportation program we call it it's just being built too and so then we can kind of see the difference from that pro model which is your base model up to that lariat side and kind of feel what that does too so anyway tim thanks for calling and uh appreciate the comments you got it gentlemen y'all have a great day you too, you too. thanks tim all right, 316-462-3673. Hey, let's keep the phones ringing and everything else, too. Love to hear from you. Some great comments there out of Tim. And uh, and those are valid, you know, from somebody that's looking to make an investment or, or uh, purchase something along those lines. Definitely concerns that, that would weigh on somebody's mind, you know. And I, so we asked or talked about the the degradation of the battery and, and how that works long term. What I will say is that the manufacturer i feel has done a pretty decent job on kind of backing up uh what they're putting out there in the sense of warranty wise on that battery it's going to be a seven year hundred thousand mile warranty um with a and this is the part that i'm uh a little unsure of as far as how to monitor or know but uh up to a 70 percent that it basically it's going to guarantee that it will hold uh hold a seven seventy percent charge capacity up to those points uh so that would give you a 30 percent depletion of charge capacity and so it's the the monitoring of that and and what that looks like uh you know um from that from that standpoint but as far as like as you talked about uh it that is correct uh, being able to if there's an issue with the battery we're actually disassembling the battery and able to replace individual cells uh, from that side. I've sent several guys up to the training classes uh, already and that have that uh, training uh, completed that they've performed those repairs. Oh, uh, have and, they? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's something that, okay. uh, that they've done at the training, uh, at the training facility and things like that. So, um, you know, from a dollars and cents standpoint is that, uh, you know, we see these, uh, for all intents and purposes, I guess, motors that have to be replaced and the thousands of dollars that that costs versus what a repair on uh, a battery looks like. You know, I think that's something as this evolves, those are figures that we're going to get into and be able to better understand, you know, from a cost of ownership standpoint, what that looks like, uh, yep. from, from the EV model. But what I will say is man some of the you know we priced a uh, uh engine the other day and it was it was pretty substantial you know grand. Uh, and so when you're looking at numbers like that i really think you could do a lot um 
as far as to remove a battery from a vehicle, replacing a couple of individual cells and put it back together. And I, I would assume be well under that expense. Uh, and so, you know, from, from a dollars and cents standpoint, uh, on the repair cost of ownership, there's going to be a lot less moving parts on these EV vehicles. You know, um, you're not going to have all the internal combustion components and transmission, you know, components and, and, uh, things like that. So, I. Uh, I don't know apples to apples uh, long term what that's what that's going to look like. Um, now I would assume the expense on those components, individual components, may be more, uh, but there's a heck of a lot less of them now. Yeah. From the tech side of it, and the power windows and all the tech that they're putting in these cars, uh, you know, I'm sure that's going to be uh, it's still going to be the same issues. I mean, basically, yeah. we're taking a, a car and just taking the internal combustion engine yeah, out of it, the, the power plant, what makes it go. Yeah, out of it and change and, it soon you got all the other that. sensors all the other like you said window motors all this you know all those different things in there uh from that part too that will still have to be maintained and still going to have failure still going to happen they're still going to wear out uh from that part but I, I it's an evolving industry right now and i'll say this what we're doing today what we think we're going to be doing today in two years is going to be different yeah. two more yeah. years is going to be totally different in five years from now we're going to be not even even type close to what we're doing today uh, with these cars from that part. And, you know, I will say, uh, from my standpoint is that's, what's attracted me about this industry oh. the, the whole time I've been in it is that, you know, you, you, it's always evolving. It's always changing. There's always going to be, uh, things that you disagree with. And then there's going to be things that, you know, that, that you think, wow, we really nailed that or we're right on there. And then six months later, a whole new <laughs> set of something, something's coming. coming and so it's just always being able to, uh, adapt and, and do well. And, you know, it's the, the, and it's the same way with the, uh, you know, our technicians in the back is that it's the guys that, uh, keep up with that, yep. you know, that are up and trained with it and kind of know what's coming and, or once it is coming, learn about it you know, understand what it's doing, how it works, why it's that way. Uh, those are the people that are successful in this business. If you're not that person in this industry, you're going to get left behind. Yeah. In six months, gone. You're, you're gone, you know, uh, or you're still in the industry, but it's not fun. It's not lucrative. You know, yeah. it's, uh, and that's where, uh, that's, that's what has drawn me personally to this industry for, for, you know, as long as it has, I guess, I guess where, you know, I've, been doing this 40 years in my i've never been without a job i've never been fired from a job but i do uh, love this industry just for that reason because they're i promise you when i sell you when they're going to break at some yeah. point in time it's going to happen everybody wants a new one everybody wants a different one or whatever and it's just a constant evolving equation of so, something new coming every time it makes me want to have that new car every time <laughs> i need yeah. that one i need that one uh from that part and it's hard for that standpoint of the deal but i do i'm with you josh that's why i love this industry too uh you know i ran into a gentleman that races up in salina with us and he was uh him and i were kind of buddies and partners in the in, in the botech school there at salina and of course he got out of the business and stuff too and uh you know working on these dirt track cars is kind of like back in my day what we had with carburetors and all that kind of stuff and that's what he's excited to work on still too like me it's like i love in the evenings to go back and work on that race car uh but man is it different 
there's not even anything different. And then uh, another buddy of mine, Gary, that uh, still lives up in Solano, he wrenched with me there at Bennett Pontiac. Uh, same thing we talked about. I mean, uh, it's it's crazy what we used to do and what what we how we used to work on cars and all that kind of stuff. And it's not even close <laughs> to what these techs are doing today to maintain these cars and take care of them and service them. Not even close. So I uh, I go back and forth with uh, David Gray is the the service manager here, and he's just he loves old cars and i i like old cars too i can go to a car show and i can appreciate you know absolutely everything everybody's done uh to get that vehicle to that point of restoration but on the other side of that man i know the headache and frustration and uh, that car to take uh, to take something old and refurbish it again there's a there's an ask for every seat as they say yep. but to take something old and refurbish it and uh get it to one how you would want it like it and be satisfied with it you're never going to get to that level it's never going to be the way you want it it's never nope. going to be the amount of money that it's going to take to get it there you just yep. will go down and buy you something brand new that you can hop in go coast to coast cruise with ac on have as much if not more horsepower yep. out of that than whatever you put into this uh vehicle it's not going to be heavy the you know wind yeah. noises uh yeah. fit and finish the, i don't it's, i just uh you it's, know it's crazy it's like me and jake my son go around and around i've got my first car I ever bought a 75 chevelle yeah it is a pile of you know what but i'm telling you jake wants me to restore that thing and put it back together and the thousands of dollars it take to do that he goes don't you want to drive it again no <laughs> no i really don't because I got these other cars that are so much nicer to drive and everything else. Like the amount of money I would spend on that car, yeah. I'd love to have another newer, fresher, hot rod ready to go. Yeah. And, but, but you know, everybody has something different. I got those guys out there to love to restore those cars and love to do that stuff. You know, everybody's different, but not me. I just don't, I do not have the time to spend the money on that car. It looks just fine sitting in the corner <laughs> as it does right now. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, got a couple of questions coming through. One is a good question, Josh, and I don't know the answer to it, but good buddy of mine from Topeka is he's watching but he's texting me through LinkedIn okay does an extended warranty cover the electric batteries you know that is uh the uh one of the things that I was going to bring up as well is that as our industry evolves into this EV side of things the extended warranty companies are going to have to evolve into it too um you know and so it's been my experience uh up to I can't tell you as far as Mach-E, but I know like on the Prius and things like that uh, that were out previously yeah. um, or the the uh, the hybrid vehicles and not the fully EV vehicles that the battery is covered uh, by an extended manufacturer uh, warranty, warranty outside of the bumper to bumper. So like I said, the three or the seven year, 100,000 mile warranty, typically what you see when a manufacturer extends the factory warranty on a component like that. So like uh, powertrain control modules or PCMs are typically always covered for like an 880 and you see extended warranties, they will exclude that warranty out of their uh, extended warranty because the manufacturer steps up with a longer manufacturer warranty. So, um, I, I know that's, you're going to yeah. see some stuff change there. Too, I, I, you're you're going to have to when I think it comes to the fully, uh, electric vehicles. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I, I, I would think that, uh, they would, they would have to change their game, you know, uh, to be able to, to do that. 
Yep. Anyway, Rex Trigger will question here. If engineers are still designing, technicians will still be straightening it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we fought a lot of back in that day when my day wrenching on those cars too. You'd think, what was that engineer thinking when he built the car this way? What he why was he putting this together? And and uh it's kind of crazy on some of the things, but uh that's uh tunnel vision, I think is the best way I can describe that. As you know, that guy is there's probably how many ever different engineers that have to put the whole thing together and he's focused on this part one area you know right here uh, and then sure. you know one engineer might design one thing one designs another and then when it finally gets together they don't work then they got to yeah. yeah it's rex i'm with you 100 percent on that deal because well we did a lot of straightening out back in our day on that <laughs> things too so and uh, james Furman, kind of off the subject i grew up around shops i never interested in the mechanical side which i should have been paid more attention but I love looking at all the different cars and I learned how to cuss. <laughs> Very true, buddy. There is a lot of color, colorful language that goes on, I think, in the automotive industry. For sure. uh, anyway, Greg Murray, isn't the Power Boost eight years, 100,000 mile battery warranty? Uh, so it is uh, the, on the Power Boost, it is an extended warranty, uh, a longer battery range two. warranty, yeah. On that part, too. So, you know, Tim, that, you know, Tim's still listening there or whatever. I don't know where that's where the actual part comes into it but I, i'm still what are these cars going to be worth when they've got that 80 to 100,000 miles on them and they're eight years old what, what's what is going to happen to the value i don't know time will tell going to get interesting is what i'm going to tell you yep and uh from that part so i mean if the uh trends anything like values are now you'll be able to sell it for more than what it's worth <laughs> you know and yeah. the, so the other side of that too is they they mentioned something that i kind of keyed in on and i maybe i overthought it uh, when they said it but they were talking about the the battery plants that they were building and the yep. dollar figure that they put in there but it wasn't just an assembly plant they were doing it one of them was going to be a recycling plant for these batteries too so i'm wondering how much of the material they're they going to use yeah that they're going to be able to you know and so in that instance that makes even a used up battery valuable if there's things inside there's things of it in, that yeah. they can you Instead know of stealing catalytic so, converting i've got yeah. stealing batteries out of cars yeah, so after seeing some of these batteries, I wish them luck. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true too. They, it's gonna be so, pretty hard to do that yeah. but, uh, from that part. I guess you're always gonna have those thieves as much as I can't stand a thief and it's someone yeah. stealing something, whatever too, from that part. But anyway, anyway, lots of good comments coming through, and uh, you know, Josh, we're kind of running out of time here. Any let's talk about uh, let's talk about how how things went the other night or last night for you. I guess uh, you got it. Oh. James said something up there and. Yeah, Team 3J, was. Uh, we've been racing IMCA this year. We've been running Hayes and Dodge and Salina. And uh, Jake's goal this year was to win the state points championship for all the drivers through the state, and he's pretty well got that locked in. Uh, no way anybody can take that away from you. So we got that championship for sure. Uh, last night we rolled into Salina with a three-point lead, and uh, Brandon Conkright was three points behind us. And uh, he got the start in front of us, and we started ninth, and we took off. And... Uh, on a 20 lap feature and Jake and Brandon were running, uh, Brandon was running second. Jake was running third, had a restart. And of course they do it. The leader gets out front. Brandon was on the inside. Jake's on the outside. They come around through turn two and Jake split the middle. And, uh, the number one guy went off the backside and, uh, they penalized Jake judgmental call still don't agree with it. They can argue with me all they want. Uh, I got several people. Everybody's got a different opinion. Sure. What happened there last night? Uh, Jake's right rear mud plug was the only thing that was even kind of tore up a little bit, but, uh, if it's his rear mud plug that got tore up and that guy went off the back straight away, who was leading, I got a video to prove he was in the lead. Yeah. Uh, someone should have hit the brakes. Someone should have got off the gas, but in turn, 
they penalized Jake, put Jake to the back with 10 to go. So I'm thinking, okay, it's over. But Jake bared down within two lasses back in the fourth and uh, raced a couple more cautions and stuff like that and ended up finishing third. Brandon finished second. So uh, we were the champion again at Salina Speedway. So it's pretty cool for that. And, Very good. Second championship for Jake. We're looking, I guess, kind of the third, if you figure the state points championship too. But uh, he said his goals there from that part. We'll head to Dodge tonight. Uh, we're running third in Dodge. We would be a lot better in Dodge. We missed a race at Dodge. Yeah. We had a, had a double night with Salina. And uh, so we'll go out to Dodge tonight and see what we can do there for the last points race. From that part, so pretty cool for Team 3J, all the guys that helped us with that and all the sponsors from everybody that helps put that race car on the, on the racetrack. And uh, from the Mullins guys, they uh, we had a kind of a rough night out of Boone. And uh, got a, kind of got the car tore up a little bit out of Boone last weekend. And Buddy and Tanner took off and put that thing back together. And, you know, you're always a little skeptical how it's going to drive or whatever. <laughs> we went out for hot laps and she was felt good and everything went off from that part. Made a couple more final adjustments. and Always we makes went. you feel better when you get back in it and everything no, feels good. good. Yeah. Feels good and stuff, too. So, yeah, we'll have a little celebratory time and uh, everything else. Got home about 2 o'clock last night. <laughs> from that part and uh, we'll get the car serviced up and head back out to Dodge and see what we can do there see if we can maybe move into second place and in points or whatever uh, from that standpoint too. The season so. is definitely starting to kind of wind down a little bit. It is. Sure. We just got uh, two more uh, two-day show with Salina next next weekend and the following weekend we got another two-day show at Hayes and that's kind of it for us for this yep. year and go back to the rebuild do and get after it again and have another fun time next year. I think our plans to do the same thing next year is run those same three tracks again and, and go. Very so. good. Very good. So anyway, uh, any last comments, anything for you, Josh, anything whatsoever? Thank our sponsors and get out of here, huh? Is yeah, that what get, you want to say? Get, get to going. Anyway, again, BG products, all the great preventative maintenance products we use right inside here at Mel Hamilton Ford. Again, I've been using this product since 1987 and we talk about somebody evolving. They have evolved and evolved <laughs> yep. and evolved into doing a great job. Love them right here in Wichita. And again, can't thank those guys enough for all the great partnerships we have with them. We love giving them cars to work on, to test and do all that kind of stuff. And, uh, Hey, we're going to head out next Friday. We're going to take the Mustang to the dyno, see what that thing does with the turbo and stuff. So stay tuned for that, uh, part two. So, uh, big corner creative, all your advertising needs. Hey, it's not just a rap company or a race car rap company. It's a full fledged advertising company it can take care of anything you need in your company, whatever it might be. If you need a web page, Google advertising, if you want to try the traditional advertising still, whatever it might be, anything to advertise your business, as those guys say, just Google us. Go to rent. Hey, we got the fleet building back up over there. Go to rent. If you're needing something for this holidays, you might probably want to get in line because the fleet is cut still to about half what we normally are. Give Stan a call right inside here at go to rent. Hey, everybody have a great Saturday. We'll talk to you next Saturday.